Welcome to this week's edition of the Modern Tire Dealer Show. I'm Mike Mangus, editor of Modern Tire Dealer. Mergers and acquisitions are in the news again, and there's a lot to talk about. Today's guest, noted M&A expert Michael McGregor of Focus Investment Banking, is going to discuss recent acquisitions by Les Schwab and Monroe, including Monroe's purchase of Allen Tire and Mountain View Tire, Monroe's westward expansion and recently announced Greenfield strategy, why smaller wholesale distributors are ripe for acquisition, and economic conditions that will fuel M&A activity for the rest of the year. Michael also is the author of MTD's monthly mergers and acquisitions column, as well as the new book, Buy, Build, Fix, and Sell, Mergers and Acquisitions for Tire and Service Dealers. This is a can't-miss interview, so let's get to it. So, Michael, Les Schwab recently announced that it is buying nine Plains Tire locations in the state of Wyoming in a deal that's supposed to close sometime this month. It, it looks like Schwab's now looking to also expand by acquiring other dealerships in addition to uh, adding Greenfield locations, which has been its strategy for a long time in terms of building from the ground up. What, what's your take on the Plains Tire acquisition, and do you expect Schwab to announce more acquisitions in the near future? Well, Mike, as somebody who helps tire dealers with acquisitions for a living, I certainly hope Les Schwab continues to do so. You know, first of all, it's just good to see them in the acquisition mix, because as you mentioned, certainly for the last five years, perhaps the last decade, they really haven't been an active buyer in there. I think this whole activity on their side is a direct result of the new ownership by Meritage Group. You know, Meritage is not so much a private equity firm. They're more like a family office. And their time horizon in terms of buying a company and holding it is going to be much longer than your typical private equity group. So they're looking to continue that organic growth, but now layer on opportunistic acquisitions on top of that. And why not? I mean, with with the Les Schwab brand name, their very unique culture and their business model, the whole rest of the company is, is wide open for them. Now, when it comes to playing tire, yeah, they have nine locations in Wyoming. Do you guys know that Wyoming has a total population of about 581,000 people? <laughs> the largest oh. two, yes, the largest two cities are Cheyenne and Casper. They have about 60,000 people each. The next largest city has like 30,000 people. So to put it in perspective, you draw, draw a five mile ring anywhere around LA, you've got, you've got more than Wyoming. Um, so who better than Les Schwab, a company that was started in rural Oregon, than to move into Wyoming. And these are people that know retail, commercial, wholesale, and retreading. And typically you find in these rural marketplaces that those dealers have had to get into all those different businesses. You see the other acquirers mostly focus on urban marketplaces. And if there's any stores that are too rural, they'd almost take a pass at that. So I think that this rural marketplace and the whole rest of the country is wide open for Les Schwab. Wow, well, that's that that's fascinating, Michael. Because certainly the rural, as as being the uh, the Kansan, the native Kansan here on the podcast, I guess I uh, certainly know that life is different in uh in rural states and rural markets. So, um, I guess I'll uh, 
maybe be looking for in my hometown of 20,000 people. Maybe someday I'll see a Les Schwab sign there. So could be. Could be. <laughs> you, you know, we, the, the Schwab deal is interesting just because of obviously their name and their, um, you know, just what their name and, and their legacy means in the marketplace. Another dealership that has a lot of name clout, and maybe it's just because there are so many headlines anymore about their name is Monroe. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because this is what I do in my fun time is that I read SEC filings. And I recently <laughs> saw that uh, Monroe paid, you know, $62.1 million for those, uh, for its latest acquisition, the 30 Mountain View tire stores in, mm -hmm. in California. Um, I couldn't help but notice that that price, you know, two million plus a store is mm -hmm. about double what they paid for their previous acquisition in California with Allen Tire. Yeah. What 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 do you make of that? I mean, what uh, obviously we know one size doesn't fit all, and right. no no two tire stores are the same. But but that's a, obviously a big separation. It is. Um, well. <laughs> First of all, did, did you notice that there's any real estate acquired along with the Mountain View app acquisition? Um, I think it includes some because some. the point, let's see, I think it's the fragment. I don't have it in front of me. I want to say okay. 1.1 or 2.1 million of it is, is still yet to be paid because they're oh, that's dealing... That's a contingent area. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, when it comes to the different values between Mountain View and Allen Tire. You know, Monroe has really smart people in that organization and there really is no company out there that has, has more experience with acquisitions from Monroe. So I'm thinking, yes, there appears to be a disparity of value there, but I'm thinking perhaps it was, you know, each company was slightly different and uh, the valuation probably matched up pretty well with the financial performance. You know, Allen Tire had grown a little sleepy over the last decade. And that transaction happened not too long after the patriarch died. Right. So perhaps maybe the second generation wasn't really up to revitalizing that brand. And you know, LA is such a super competitive market for tire and service. There's so many competitors out there. So it's possible with Allen Tire that it, the financial performance wasn't there, but let, let's just do a little math here. They had 17 locations, right? Right. Let's say that they average 1.5 million per each of those 17 locations. Okay, so that's about 20, 25 million in revenue. Let's say also maybe they got a little sleepy in terms of their financial performance and they are hitting 8% EBITDA. So 8% on 25 million is about 2 million in EBITDA. The price was 17 million. That was about an eight and a half multiple for 17 stores that dealt directly with Monroe. If Monroe really wanted to do that, I, I could kind of see them going with that valuation, especially since, well, hopefully they weren't competitive with the certified tire locations that they had acquired previously, right? Right, right. Now, when you take, consider Mountain View, that was a thriving company. It was growing, certainly well run from, from the few discussions and few interactions I've, I've had with the owners there. So let's do a little math with Mountain View Tire. Let's imagine that they were doing perhaps higher volume per store. You know, they are really beautiful store, Goodyear. I think they were Goodyear identified stores. If they're doing about 2 million per store, that's about 60 million in total revenue. If their financial performance was slightly better than Allen, maybe a 10% EBITDA, 
Well, then I can easily see Monroe paying a 10 multiple for that 6 million EBITDA, and that's where you get the $60 million price. Now, I think, uh, let's keep in mind that as of today, I checked this morning, <laughs> Monroe's multiple to EBITDA was 17 times, right? 17 times their EBITDA. Stock price is about 58, not too far off the high of 72. So contrast that again with the Allen Tire acquisition. Say they pay eight and a half times 2 million EBITDA, they buy it for 17. If the market is valuing them at 17, then basically that 2 million EBITDA of Allen is worth 34 million once they own that EBITDA. That's the game that Monroe plays. That's their strategy, and they're really good at it. And that's why they would do something like that. Okay. Okay. You've, uh, you've made some of this more clear, so <laughs> that, that's good to know. Um, you know, Monroe is, has been growing it, you know, it's kind of, is always growing. I guess, you know, they took a very brief pause last year during the height of the pandemic, but, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've identified growing in, in the West, you know, California has been a big play. You mentioned all the companies that the, the biggest ones that they've acquired already, um, but their their new CEO Michael Broderick has also yeah. said that if we can't buy, which has been their main um, ma- main path forward, that they're going to build stores when mm-hmm. they can't acquire them. What do, does that does that does that shake your boots at all, or what, what do you think of that idea? Does that seem crazy for them, or do you you know do you think there's something specific in the Southwest that maybe that's and, and I should also say Colorado is another state where yeah. they've talked about doing that you know i i hear that he he actually does have a lot of experience out west wasn't he with advance or one of the auto parts companies or he, yeah okay. he was yeah so he knows the west pretty well so with regards to the west i think it's a combination of this not in by my backyard mentality it's called nimby mm-hmm. in terms of you know the southwest and the west for a lot of environmental or other reasons automotive is not as welcome on every street corner so you got that, but then, you know, there some, some good stuff has been picked over. Um, so some of the acquisitions in some of these places, you know, uh, Greenbrier was in there, Greenbrier now called Sun Auto. There's some other private equity groups that have been out there quietly acquiring some stuff. And then Monroe has been active itself out there for, for a few years now. So some quality organizations have been gobbled up already. But in some fast growing markets, let's take Phoenix, for example, I think it's the fastest growing city in the United States. A lot of folks are businesses and people are moving outside of California and they're headed to Phoenix. Well, that's that that market is growing so fast. They need green fields. Okay, there aren't enough auto service outlets to service all this, you know, these growing people there. In cities like Colorado or like cities like Denver and Colorado. My general sense is that the tire company stores, the Goodyear's, the Firestones, and then the franchise outlets, TBCs, the Midas's, all these others, I think they've had a pretty good penetration in the Denver marketplace for quite a while. And I know when I personally look at Denver and develop lists of, well, who's out there? I just don't see a lot of the multi-store you know, tire and service opportunities out there. So there's a lot of single location things and frankly, it's probably easier and, and to, to perhaps do a greenfield than to try to put together a group of a bunch of single stores. 
So I think that's what's going on there. Greenfields are a logical alternative when you need to keep up with the population growth and when you can't put together a critical mass of stores, that's what you have to turn to. Interesting. Yeah, certainly in the Denver and the Colorado market, that's where Leeds West, which has a slightly oh, different mentality. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, they, they've done the, they do the franchise model instead. So, and usually yeah. when we've seen in Colorado with them, when they've acquired stores, it seems in Colorado, it's been more the one, two, you know, two locations. Yep. Yep. And I, I think looking at, at the greater Denver market, other than Peerless Tire, there aren't any real big independently owned chains to, 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 uh, to support yep. what you just said, Michael. Mm -hmm. And it seems like uh, Sam Forbes, I, I would imagine he has no intention to sell any of those locations or the dealership altogether. It's been part of his portfolio for so many decades. Yeah. Yeah, that was the only other name, uh, dealership name that came to mind for me too, but it, obviously does, we'll does hear about it from other dealers if we've yeah, forgotten yeah. someone, so. Do, does Peerless do a mix of commercial too, or are they mostly retail? Peerless is strictly retail. They are, okay, okay, yeah. So they're they're an opportunity for sure. Yeah, they have approximately 54 retail only locations Dang. in the greater Denver market. Okay, there you go, yeah. Interesting. So with all this movement in you know, retail and also commercial, it, it seems like the latest acquisition, you know, talk has been on those stores, storefronts serving consumers. Yeah. Um, what does all this movement mean for the wholesale tire, you know, distributors in that side of the business? It seems like they're not quite in the in the limelight right now. Which obviously, a few years ago, we that's all we talked. Well, that's all we wrote about <laughs> yeah. for a year. So. Really. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but what do you? What, you know, what is this M&A activity right now? What does that mean for the, the wholesale side? Well, uh, first of all, you're right, Joy. You know, there has not been a lot of wholesale activity in terms of wholesale mergers and acquisitions. You know, ATD is on the sidelines. Uh, uh, U.S. Auto Force, uh, they, they've been quiet for a couple of years now. If I recall, mm -hmm. the last transaction I saw might have been up in Canada. So it's definitely been quiet. So I think small wholesalers have, have a lot to worry about. Um, first and foremost, you talk to anybody trying to serve their customers, supply chain is a big problem. So they are, everybody's hunkered down, just scrambling, trying to get tire supply, right? But look, you look beyond that and a consolidating retail, and don't forget com consolidating commercial, that's been going on for a while too, okay? Mm -hmm. That has to get, be impacting wholesalers as retail and commercial gets rolled up. Then you take a look at Goodyear, Michelin, and Bridgestone. You know, I've been testing, trying to sell direct, make an end run a little bit, just somehow get directly to the consumer there, right? What's the impact of Amazon? Another thing, you look at the manufacturers, you know, when they consolidated or pulled the supply from ATD, when Goodyear and Bridgestone pulled the supply from ATD to create Tire Hub, that negatively impacted uh, ATD. But guess what? The same exact thing has happened to small wholesalers that are getting their lines pulled. Because I know one manufacturer pulled, pulled some lines and gave it to Max Finkelstein. That helped, that hurt the traditional smaller wholesalers that had that supply they had to scramble and find out what to do, right? And then you have continued costs going up, you know, you have margin pressure, you have trouble finding 
people that want to move warehouse, you know, tires in a hot warehouse. So I think small wholesalers uh, potentially uh, are at risk um, if they're not changing and doing something different. And they, they ought to be considering if someone knocks on their door, they ought to take a look and at least, you know, enter into some kind of discussion. It, I think it'll vary by situation, but uh, I think the long-term trend is not necessarily the most positive for, positive for the smaller wholesaler. Is, is that risk or difficulty? Do you think it's different in some areas of the country than others or, or a higher risk in, in some regions for those distributors? I, I really can't speak to that. I, I really, mm -hmm. not, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. How about with the way the way things are going right now? You mentioned supply chain and all that type yeah. stuff. What what's the kind of the atmosphere now for the rest of the year as far as any other M and A activity? Um, anything you're hearing about, or just you know, how's this kind of set the stage? Ron, it, it it's looking good out there. I mean, you know, <laughs> we're we do this for a living, and we're quite active, and we're very busy. You know, we made it through that pandemic as. Uh, you know, we, we help these essential businesses and uh, most all the tire dealers uh, that we that we talk to are just having record years and are doing just fine. It all starts from the top. What's the stock market doing? I think it just passed another all-time high, right? So the yes. stock market's good. Uh, interest rates are still low. There's still plenty of money in the marketplace in terms of debt and equity. That helps fuel, all that helps fuel high valuations and it kind of greases, it provides liquidity for these deals to happen. So we find, you know, and, and coupled with that, we find there's more and more interest in automotive. Despite all this stuff about internal combustion engine switching to EV, that hasn't slowed anybody's thinking that there's going to be some kind of vehicle out there in the future. So we're finding as private equity in particular gets in the marketplace and, and starts creating wealth, other money looks at that, other private equity, and, and wants to get in this space as well. So we think over the next year, it's going to be just as good. We think with new entrants like Les Schwab in there and some other folks that will be making news in the future, we're, we're just going to be seeing more of this. Michael, it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity and, uh, and a lot of activity that we could look forward to seeing, you know, through the rest of the year into next year and, and beyond. I want to thank you for your time and your excellent insight into the current M&A market. Really appreciate it and look forward to having you back on the show soon. Thank you very much. And uh, it was nice chatting with all of you. Thanks, Michael. You, you too. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Modern Tire Dealer Show. Don't miss Michael McGregor's newest column in the August issue of MTD. And to order a copy of his new book, visit Amazon.com. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.